0: Good morning, everyone. This is Chayen Joku, sneaky principal, and um, today I want to talk to you about a question that I get quite often as a principal, and more so now than I ever had before in the past. And this is students asking to graduate early. Um, in itself is not a bad thing. When a child says, "I want to leave school early." It could be for a lot of different reasons. I've had parents call and say, "You know, um, my child is interested in graduating early. What does that look like?" And I often ask the question, "Why?" Like, what is the the expressed reason for graduating early? Um, and in the past, in the, in the past, when I would get that question, it was more along the lines of, you know, you know, we're moving out of state, and or you know, I noticed my child is, you know, ahead in credits and there's a school that's willing to take them to, to take them early as far as a college or a trade program or something of that nature. But what I'm getting now is students who are in, intensely wanting to just end it. What I mean by end it, just end the experience of being in school. And, um, it really bothers me um, on many levels because number one, I get it. I do understand, you know, schooling has changed so drastically from what it was when I was in school. I mean, I was in high school 30 years ago. Um, I know 30 years, 30 years ago sounds like a very long time, but um, things weren't, honestly, things weren't that different. You know, yes, technology's changed a little bit. You know, um, there, there are, you know, cultural shifts that have happened. But in the hood, you know, in my neighborhood, in my community where I grew up, not much has changed. The same economic issues still exist. The the same, you know, crimes and gang violence and all those things that made life in the urban community, you know, very stressful are still here. So I get it. But however, the one thing that existed for me when I was in school is that I had a very, very strong network of teachers and principal and educators around me and people in the community who were really pushing and encouraging me um, towards being successful. And they weren't just encouraging me. They were encouraging all of us. What I heard from them was, you know, we are relying on all of you to take the work forward. And it was interesting because 30 years ago, the adults who were educating me 30 years prior were coming up in the 60s. I graduated in 1993. So let's say for all intents and purposes, if the people who are now now educated me, if they were my age, that means... 30 years prior to, they would have been teenagers during the Civil Rights era. So the messaging they received then was one of hope, one of encouragement, one of uh, forward movement. And now, my generation now are in a space, and I'm sorry, not, not not to forget another thing, a lot of those teenagers were just a few years removed from desegregation. A lot of them went to schools that were primarily, um, let's say if you were black, they were mostly black teachers and, and your, your schools were in your community. So the full-on full desegregation hadn't happened, hadn't really like, swept across the country yet. So um, here we are now, 30 years to when I was in high school, now, now 30 years to where I'm at right now, which you made it 60 years which is crazy to think about, 60 years. So, our kids now are coming up in a space where I'm starting to realize they're not being encouraged as somebody I was encouraged back then. They're not being given the, the push and support, and they're not being poured into with the strength, and not, not only the strength, but the understanding, of what the work is. We live in a world right now where we're telling our children go to school, get education, and then go get a great job and have a great life. I was told to get a job, that I'm sorry, to get an education, do well, have a great career, and do something good for your community. We were told, my classmates, and we were, we were multiracial, black, Hispanic, Asian, the kids in my school in Inglewood, California, were being told and being pushed that we were the extension of the Talented Tenth. Some of you are probably asking, "What what is the Talented Tenth Du Bois had this belief. W. E. B. Du Bois had this belief. Who, who, who's who, he's one of our great intellects and our great, you know, earliest civil rights leaders. You know, I believe he was the first PhD from Harvard. If I I think I'm 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 pretty sure about that. He talked about a talented 10th, that in every generation, 10% of the population are tasked with moving the culture, the race forward. These are the most talented. And I remember in high school being told that we were an extension, our generation's talented 10th. There was was a, a conversation and a tone of black empowerment, brown no brown pride, that we shy, that, that we shy so much away from speaking on. The tone that I hear today now is, you know, the the unfortunate circumstance of poor black and brown children. But we were still poor black and brown back 30 years ago but however we were being told that we were an extension of something great so it's funny when a kid comes to me now and says a student comes to me now and says Mr. Njoku I want to know what I can do to to graduate early and I asked them why and they said I'm tired I, I, I I don't see the point of me being here I find myself now having to tap into my experiences as a a student back then, and sometimes feeling like a lone voice telling them about the purpose of their education, about finishing it through. See, in my school, I have intentionally poured resources into the transition plan for our students from high school and beyond. And part of that process is this, every senior, the goal, the goal is that every senior graduating is graduating with the choice and option of going to college. Meaning when you graduate, you've been accepted to at least one college. And not just accepted that you have the financial aid aid package sitting there and you have a clear understanding of what your options are. So if you choose to go to the military and not go to college, it's after a very in-depth conversation, understanding what's on the table, what's the offer is, and what this means for your future. The why has been discussed. The next steps have been discussed. And this is my vision for a college office, a college planning office. My college coordinator, Mr. Rankin, is an amazing man. This, this This man has looked at every child as an individual and said, what does does he need? What does she need? What What does he need? What does she need? And addressing their individual needs to make sure that they have the right college. But if my students leave early, they won't be part of that experience. So my response has been no. I've gotten a lot of those questions this year and my response has been no. Not just a no that you can't graduate early, I said, no, that I will not authorize you to graduate early. I would will not willfully put a plan together for you to graduate early. Now, if parents and the district and the and superintendent come and say, and say to me, this is something that has to happen, I will reluctantly follow suit because all the I would i I would expect that all the players are on the same page on on what this means for this child. But when the child comes to me, not only do I say I want to authorize that, I walk them through the process of my thinking for them. And I tell them, graduating a year early, that one year could potentially change the rest of your life. Graduating a semester early means you miss out on commitments and the acceptance letters and that process, but for all you know, the next step in your life, what will change everything will happen in the month of April and may we start to get those we start to make those commitments to colleges we start to get those financial aid packages. Too many schools bend and fold too many schools will, choose, will actually even i allow certain students to graduate early because they don't want to deal with them. They'll allow children to graduate early because they don't want to deal with certain families. And these kids leave without a clear plan, a clear vision for the future. And I believe that that vision and that plan is not for them alone to come up with. It's, it's a collaborative effort of the school, of the educators, the teachers in that space. There's so much, I should bet it, there's so many layers to this. It's very important that you as a parent, when that question comes up about graduating early, that you have a very in-depth conversation, not only with your child, but with your child's school. What's happening in that building that the child has decided that I don't want to be there? What's happening in that building that you've decided that, you know what, I want to get my kid out of this building? Because if, it's, if things are happening that, that's allowing for your child and for your family to lose faith in that school, it must be addressed. We cannot have the mentality of, oh, it's just my child. but if, if your child is going through that, that means many children in our community are going through that in that school. And that's not acceptable. One of the things that I think is also very important, principals, teachers, when you're having this conversation with students, make sure you're having the right conversation with students. One of the things that I've never shied away from doing is really telling my story to my students. Letting them know that Mr. Njoku, before being Mr. Njoku was Uche, and Uche was once upon a time a kid in high school. And I went to a high school in the the city of Los Angeles, South Bay in Inglewood, And that community had its issues. There was poverty there, there was struggles there, there was gang violence, there was death. But however, I had amazing teachers that poured into me. Even at my lowest moments, They spoke life into me. They told me their stories. They they, they literally would tell me what they envisioned for me. And it would spark things in me at my lowest moments, at the moments that I thought that, um, that I had nothing left. Those words of encouragement, those words of wisdom, literally gave me life. And often just enough to take another step, another step, another day, until I graduated. I'll tell you this. When I was a when I was I think a freshman or a sophomore, first of all, I used to appreciate I, I now appreciate the fact that in high school, you know, that I had so many teachers that were black and and Hispanic. So many teachers that lived in my community or neighboring communities. I, pre- I now appreciate the fact that I could go to the store and run into one of my teachers like, like a normal person because they lived in the community. I could appreciate the fact that quite a few of my teachers went to the same high school. They were natives to Inglewood, California. And that said, said a lot for me because I saw them in their element. You know, I remember um, not knowing what my teachers were doing when, when uh, my teachers who were Qs would throw up, you know, would, would throw up, you know, would throw up, throw up the, the sigh, you know. When my teachers who were cappers would, you know, one day a teacher I who, uh, that I had who was a Kappa, you know, came to school and was walking around the whole school that day with a, with a candy-striped cane in his back pocket. I thought he was losing his damn mind. You know, that's I heard whispers of alpha men, you know, A.K.A.s, but not only that. Teachers who will sit with me during lunchtime and talk about, you know, politics and the things that need to happen to change the the movement of our community. These teachers and intellectuals will point it into me, based on their experiences over the span of the of the nineties, eighties, seventies, and sixties, because they could say. When I was a teenager, I saw this happen. I had teachers who said I was there when I turned the TV on and heard the announcement that that Dr. King had been assassinated. Assassinated. I I remember watching TV, or I was living in New York when, when Malcolm was assassinated. I remember the marches. So I wasn't learning from people who were just telling me stories that they had heard or read about. They were telling me things that they had experienced. So these teachers had so much power. And I remember one teacher telling me, you know what, I think, I think, I believe that you're gonna be a Morehouse man. I had no idea what what a Morehouse man was. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure of it. I was a sophomore. It wasn't until my senior year, actually, but by, 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 by my junior year, I had a clear understanding about, about what and where Morehouse College was because, you know, fortunately, I had done a deep dive into Dr. King my um, junior year, understanding where he, where he came from, the schools he went to, you know, and um, Benjamin Hayes, his mentor, who's the president of Morehouse College. I, I knew who these people were because my teachers, made it a point to put that information into me. It wasn't part of the curriculum, but they put that information into me and my classmates. So once senior year came, Morehouse was definitely on my list of schools to apply to. As a matter of fact, in my mind, Morehouse held, held a higher position than a Harvard or Yale or Princeton or Columbia or Stanford or UCLA, USC or Pepperdine, Morehouse had a high position. And I remember when I received a letter of acceptance from Marhouse College. I remember going to school and sharing it with, with my guidance counselor Miss Jolly. and she came from my her table and gave me the biggest hug ever. And throughout the day all these teachers came to me and was, was telling me, congratulations, wow, we are so proud you got you' going to tomorrow I just remember feeling to myself thinking and feeling like this this feels great. this is amazing. I felt like I was part of something. And over time, I received letters from all these colleges: Fisk, Tuskegee, you know, UCLA, USC, Berkeley, Pepperdine, and the list went on and on and on. I know some of you are like, "Oh wow, Mister Joe is a Morehouse man." No, I am not, unfortunately. When I got when I got all the college acceptance letters, and um the next step was to look at the financial aid packages. The school that offered me the most, the most resources to, to enable me to afford going to college was the University of Rochester, in Rochester, New York, Rochester, New York. And I'll tell you this, I, my, I, my heart was broken because I had really believed I was gonna to go to Morehouse. However, I remember, I actually I remember, I had another teacher who said, ah, heard you're going to go to the University of Rochester. I was like, yes, sir. He said, you know it's cold up there, right? I was like, it is? <laughs> I had an idea, but I really didn't have an idea until I got there. He said, but that's okay. Because there's some pretty famous people who are linked to Rochester. And he said to me, I think that um, Freddie Douglas is buried in Rochester. And I knew who Frederick Douglass was. I said, "He is." He said, "Yeah, he 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 um, lived there for a time, and I'm pretty sure he was buried there." And I think there's something there having to do with Susan, Susan B. Anthony, you know, the leader of the of the women's suffrage movement. And again, things that I didn't learn from the book, the teachers around me poured into me. So all of a sudden, I was like, "Okay, maybe it's not about them going to Rochester." And I ended up being a pivotal point in my development as a man. Again, I say all this to say, your child's school needs to have people like this who are pouring into them continuously. Teachers, you need to pour into your students. On an emotional, ethereal level, just that granular space of just pouring into them as much as you can—love, intellect, you know—that um, um, no, no, that no, that what's the word uh, that uh, can't do attitude. Pouring into them. But this is very important because when you do this, you give them you give them a direction to move into. You're giving them a purpose. And you will have students who will come to you and say, I, I, I don't want to do this, I, I want to leave. You will have students who want to drop out. But ask yourself, what have we done as, te- as the educators, as the teachers, as the administra- as administrators? Are we just running a business called a school building for the, for, the, for the district? Or are we establishing a community of surrogate parents and elders that are, ins- that are ensuring that our children are being fully equipped to face the future. I know that um, a lot of us are saying, a lot of us will say that, um, you know, like in my case, I can easily say the past 30 years of my existence was nothing like the, 30s of the, the, the prior 30 years of existence of my teachers and my principal and what they saw. No, every generation has pivotal points. I have shared with my students, you know, the day that I walked out of football practice, you know, hearing on the radio that the officers who were responsible for the beating of Rodney King were found not guilty. And I also remember the next week or so, even longer, that my city turned into a battleground and builders were burning. There were signs on, on businesses that said black owned so that people could avert having their stores trashed or, and destroyed, including my mother's. So I shared that story with my students, letting them know that Black Lives Matter didn't start, you know, during their era. It started, you know, doing civil rights and it continued through my generation and continues on. I talk about the economic status of our communities and how it hasn't changed that much. And, we'll do, and have conversations about what do we need to do to change that? What, is, what, are, what, are, what are our individual responsibilities? I chose to be an educator, not because it's gonna, make me, it's gonna make me a billionaire, because maybe I can aid in creating the next billionaires who will come back important to our community and elevate us. When a student comes up to you, if it's your child, if it's your student and says, I don't wanna be here. I wanna drop out or I wanna graduate early, whether it's a year or semester, be ready to have a compelling argument that's evidence-based to guide them in the right direction. Ah, y'all, this is Mr. Njoku, Sneaker Principal. And I'll talk to you all soon again, all right? Peace.